Uh, We're going to be in John chapter 11 today, starting in verse 1. So grab a Bible, open your Bible, turn your Bible on. And this morning, it's called Just Because He Loved. And, um, you know, John chapter 11 here is kind of this culmination of Jesus' ministry. It's, it, it's happening um, just right before, basically, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem and his Passion Week that we read about. But Jesus is demonstrating to us much about who he is. And, and this final miracle is kind of this final documented miracle that we see that really just shows us who Jesus is, that his power, his his, uh, his authority as, as he does ministry. So we'll get started here. All right. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But Jesus, when he heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out and his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So we have this account, this account of this certain man, it says. And generally, when we kind of see this start to play out in the New Testament, we see this certain man and we see this certain person and maybe they were lame or they were deaf or they were blind or whatever. What we see then is we see Jesus meet with this person and we see this miracle happen and we see the restoration right here. But here we don't. We see, we're going to see this kind of this lapse in time between when Jesus hears this. So, so here's what we know. We know that Mary is the one who anointed the Lord. We see this in Luke. Uh, oh, shoot, I forget. It's, I promise you it's in, in, in the Gospel of Luke. But we see this where she comes in and she... She, uh, she anoints Jesus with her tears and, with, and wipes them dry with her hair. That, that she's come from this place of being a, a lady of ill repute, restored by Jesus, and we see her heart and her thankfulness here as she comes, and she comes to his feet, and she, she anoints him, his feet, and, uh, with, her, with her tears and with uh, drying them with her hair. So, Mary and Martha, we know a little bit about these two, right? We see this, this interaction. Jesus often came, uh, Bethany is about two miles outside of Jerusalem, and often when Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, he would stay in the house with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Now, we don't know a lot about Lazarus. Pretty much this is kind of what we get about Lazarus, but we do see some interactions with Jesus in this home between Mary and Martha, and this is the story where where, you know, Mary is, is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she's listening to him, what he has to say, and Martha is in the kitchen working away, right? Because Martha's like, got to be the oldest, the firstborn, right? And so she's working away in there in the kitchen, keeping everything, and finally she's like, but Lord, what's the deal here, you know? Will you tell Mary, my sister, to help me instead of just sitting here? Jesus says, look, you're, you're worried about all the wrong stuff right now. You know, there's a time to work and there's a time to worship is where we're at. And when, when Jesus is present and we have the opportunity to be present with him, the worship is, is the first thing. As a matter of fact, for the church, our first job <clears throat> is worship. It's what we meet here for primarily is to, is to ascribe glory and worth and honor to this good God, this, this God who's, who's so amazing, this God who has all authority. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, 
Jesus loves them, we're told, and Lazarus falls ill. Now, now so much so that, that they send somebody, Mary and Martha send somebody to go and get Jesus, right? Hey, remember when we're, when we're talking about, too, they didn't shoot a text off to Jesus and said, hey, you know, Lazarus is sick, or Lazarus has the flu. The only way to get, they didn't call him on the phone, nothing. They, they didn't send him an email. They had to send people to go get him. And so they knew the, the, the reality of the situation with Lazarus. Lazarus was really sick. Ra- Lazarus is dying kind of sick when they send somebody to go and get Jesus. And the reason that they go to get Jesus, right, is they know that Jesus is the one who was able to do something about this. It's without hope for anybody else. It, they're at the end, you know, nobody else can do anything for Lazarus at this place. It's imminent, most likely, that he is dying and going to die. And, and so Jesus gets this message, and he makes an interesting comment. And, and in this translation, it says this illness does not lead to death. Probably a better way to say it was it doesn't end in death. This illness that he has is not going to end in death. And then he states the reason for this. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So God has a purpose. Jesus has a purpose in what's going on here. Well, what's happening here isn't just a random thing. That it, This is a hard thing. This is a difficult thing. This is an uncomfortable thing. But Jesus has a plan in the midst of it. And ultimately, what happens here is going to give glory to God. So, so sometimes we're like, well, what is with this glory stuff? I would say this, glory is the, is, is the magnification of God's power, of his awesomeness, of who he is. It's what makes him famous to the world around. So God is about to demonstrate this idea of his glory so that others can see the reality of who he is and might possibly believe who is he also. So it says that, that now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. What the heck? You know, I mean, so if it's us, if we've got somebody and they're dying and we know they're dying and it's a family member or something like that, we're going to get there as fast as we can. Why? Because we love them. Because we want to make, see what we could do or make a difference or, or whatever. But Jesus, it says here, that he loved them. And because he loved them, he stayed two more days. What an interesting thing that, that Jesus would say, okay, Mary and Martha are really worried that Lazarus is about to die. Um, I'm going to see if I can catch a couple more days in the hotel that I'm in right now. See if I can extend my stay a little bit. So many times this is the deal with us and God's timing. God's timing is always perfect for one thing. And we've got to recognize like who he is. He he has the sovereign right to do things how he determines to do them. He's God. But you see, our timing is very different from God's, right? And in my experience, he's never early or he's, he's never early. Um but he's, he's never late, right? 
He's, he, he doesn't come early enough for me. He's seldom early. How about that? Seldom early, but never late, right? That's the saying. Seldom early, but never late. And so Jesus tarries here for a couple of days while Lazarus dies. And then he tells his disciples after that, he says, let's go to Judea again. Let's go back to Judea. And their response is like, look, Jesus, last time we were there, they were picking up stones to kill you, man. We don't need to go back there. It's not a good spot. You're really not on the favored list right there right now. So let's just hang out here. And then, and then Jesus tells them, there, there, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, but he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And then he says, look, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And they're like, look, if he's only sleeping, he's going to be fine. Let's just don't go. Because we might die. We might die with you. We're following you. And, and there's the real chance that if we go back there to do this whole thing, look, let's, he's just sleeping. He's going to wake up, Jesus. Like, just, let's just hang out here. <clears throat> See, Jesus is always going to lead us out of our comfort zone. As a matter of fact, God's love is not going to shield his glory from us. This is why Jesus is waiting. is because he's not going to, in, in, in his or our definition of love, he's not going to follow our definition of what it looks like for him to love us well and come immediately at times. So there are times in our lives where he's going to allow us to sit in some real discomfort, a place of waiting, a hard place, difficult times. He may lead you into something that doesn't necessarily make sense. Why would we go back to Judea right now? Last time we were there, they tried to stone you. The reason that they tried to stone him the last time he was there was because he was making a declaration of his deity. If we look back in John 8 and some of those earlier chapters, we will see that this is the place where he proclaims to the, to the Pharisees there, I, before Abraham was, I am. And when he says, I am, he's saying, I'm the God of the Old Testament. <clears throat> he's saying, I'm the God who's always been. I'm the great I am that I am, and because of that, it says that they took up stones, they knew plainly what he was trying to say so that they could kill him, but it wasn't his time, and so he had gotten away, but now we're moving more and more towards Jesus' time, and he's moving his disciples into this place where it's not really comfortable, and I'm going to tell you the reality of it is, is it most likely ministry opportunities that are going to come our way and your way aren't always comfortable. Rarely are they comfortable. Rarely do they make complete sense to us. Rarely um, is it my timing that's happening or, or, or my understanding. You see, something is always driving our perspective. And what's driving your perspective today? For them, for the disciples right now, it's fear. It's, it's fear of, of, of we'll, we'll die if we go there. This doesn't make sense. Look, let's just... Let's just keep things status quo like they are. Let's just stay here where it's good. Let's don't move into that dangerous spot. But you see, Jesus says to them, Lazarus has died. He says, look, he's, he's fully dead now. He's not just partially dead. He's good and well dead at this point. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there, so that you may believe. 
So Thomas called the twins, said, okay, well, Lazarus is dead. I guess we should all just go up there with Jesus now, and we'll all just be just as dead as Lazarus. The interesting thing, there's an interesting dialogue between death and life, and the, 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 the definitions of death and life between Jesus and the rest of his disciples. Jesus tells him, look, as a matter of fact, there's 12, hour, there's 12 hours of daylight, and if you're walking in that, then you can trust in that. If you're walking in, 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 in connection to Jesus, even when it doesn't make sense or even when it's hard, when we're walking in that and we're walking, trusting in that and abiding in him, that we can walk in the light. But when we go off in our own way to do our own thing, then we're going we're gonna to stumble around in the dark. I can just tell you that you, for you and I, if you're trying to draw a line between Jesus' timing and your timing, Jesus' scenario and your scenario, you're going to live with a lot of angst and anxiety in your life because these two aren't going to match up. You're going to see things differently. You're going to want things to have different outcomes than what God has. It's only when we really let go and allow him to be God. Now, when Jesus came, verse 17, verse 17, when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So, <clears throat> Jesus comes. He's outside of Bethany. Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Now, I can tell you that in a desert culture with no kind of medical, you know, chemical intervention, embalming, or whatever that would look like, Lazarus is not looking very good right now, right? And he is not smelling very good at the moment either. And he's in the grave, and he is decaying, and that happens really quick in a, cult, in a place like this. And Martha, being the one who's all business-oriented, all about the work, when she hears Jesus is coming, she goes and meets him. Mary, the worshiper, she is hurt, and she's staying far off. She's kind of staying withdrawn from that. And, and sometimes this is us in the middle of those kinds of things. Sometimes we rush right to Jesus, and we're like, what, what's going on here, right? Or we, or we, or we keep ourselves off. We, we withdraw away from him, and we, and we sit somewhere outside of that, and we just sit in this hurt. But you see, her heart is just this. If you had been here, if you were here, he would not have died. And what's driving her perspective is what's already happened, not what could happen. She's forgetting, and what we're going to see in this again is this idea that it isn't over until Jesus says it's over. Four days. Now, the Jews had this kind of this tradition or this belief that the Spirit kind of hung around for a couple of days, but after that, it was gone. And then after that, it was by far too late, and you were good and properly dead. Jesus waits until this whole time, and now Martha comes to him, and she says, if you'd only been here, he wouldn't have died. 
If you'd only intervened, if you'd only been here, and there's a reality to this, when we suffer loss and hardship in our lives, there's this reality that we have to face up with, and it says that if you'd intervene, God, the all-powerful God of the universe, the creator of all things, if you'd have just intervened, if you'd have just been here, it would have been different. And we ask the question, why weren't you here? Where were you? You could have changed this. You could have, you, you could have alleviated my hurt. You could, have, <clears throat> you could have brought a different outcome. But I love this about Martha, verse 22. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. That's the kind of faith that we need. We need that kind of faith, and even now kind of a faith that says, okay, if you'd have been here, you could have changed it, but even now, even now I know that you're at work. Even now I know that you're good. Even now I know that you're working something in this and that I can trust in that. See, because it's in these places and in these times that we need something to hold on to. We need something to grasp onto. If you find yourself in this place of deep grief, of deep suffering like this. And if you've experienced hard and deep grief, I'll, I'll <clears throat> the first few days of, of, of Callie's death were, were agony, literal agony. I, I, I couldn't function without just falling apart. And, and this is where she's at. She's in this place of utter agony. But she has this even now kind of a faith. And if the, if, the, if, the, if the suffering and the grief isn't going to crush you, I'm going to tell you you've got to have an even now kind of faith. You've got to understand that, that God is, even if it doesn't change, you've got to have the Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego kind of faith that says, my God is able to, de to deliver me from this fiery furnace, but even if he doesn't, he's still God. He's still good. He's still at work in the middle of this, and he's still working this for an end that is going to bring him glory. You see, God is not just glorified in our lives. He can be very much glorified in our death. Full lives don't equate to long years. Something that God taught me and what I've been through. They can, but it doesn't have to. Short life, full life. See, Callie, Callie's life didn't cut, get cut short. Callie's life was full. And she lived out the days that God had determined for her. And she did it pretty well. And in that, God was glorified. He was shown and he was magnified. I looked one time in, at, at her funeral, and it had been viewed on YouTube 5,000 times. Who watches a funeral like that? But you see, we've got to trust, and we've got to know that, that this God is able, and he's, he's a, he's a circumstance-changing God. But even if he doesn't show up, we know that he's up to something good. And she tells him, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, look, I know that. I, I know that. On the day of the resurrection, on the last day, that you're going to raise him up. That you're going to raise up all who have trusted in you. I believe that. 
I believe that, that in that day you can do it. And Jesus begins to tell her, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. See, Jesus isn't here to tell her some secret about it, give her some recipe about the resurrection. He's telling her, I am the very embodiment itself of resurrection. I was kind of thinking about the word this week a little bit, and there are a number of people who, you know, who claim, and you know, even medically and stuff that, you know, people, they died, and then they came back, right? But, but that's not really resurrection. You know, whatever we think about that, but whatever. But anybody who's ever experienced that, or even Lazarus right here, he isn't really going to, at this point, experience real resurrection. He's going to experience resuscitation. Because he's got to die again. But resurrection is greater than that. It's, it's, It's more than that. You see, resurrection is the day when we're raised back to new life, and it's all different. It's all changed. That sin is no more, that tears are no more, that injustice is no more, death is no more, sickness no more. That is the day of the authentic resurrection for us. Now, Jesus is is the firstborn out of that. He's the first one resurrected in that so that we can look to that and we can have a hope that is greater than the struggle that we might find ourselves in today. Whoever believes in me, though he die, Yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I've said it before, the the gospel is the hope for the unbeliever. But for the believer, if you sit here today and you're in Christ, the hope for you is the resurrection. It's it's the day when it's all made right. And you see, this is is what we have to get a hold of if we're going to navigate the difficulties of life. She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And when she said this, she went and called her sister, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard of it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, so, so, so she goes back and she gets Mary. Martha goes and says, look, Mary, the teacher, not a teacher, but the teacher, the teacher. The one, the very one that Mary was sitting at the feet of. And, and what's beautiful, part of the beauty of this is that, see, Jesus was teaching women. That was, it was unprecedented in the day. Women didn't get to learn. Rabbis didn't teach them. They didn't get to sit and, and, and learn and grow. But Jesus, he, he turned all of this upside down. And so he said, the teacher, the rabbi, he's calling for you. He's, he's calling you out of that, this place of this place where you've kind of isolated yourself and you're hiding back in there and you're mad and you're angry and you're upset maybe because you've been a worshiper. Because you sat at his feet, you fell at his, he changed your life, you sat at his feet, you fell at his feet, you, you, you wept over that. But he didn't show up in your time of need. He didn't show up maybe when you when you really felt like you needed him to show up and he wasn't there. How could you let this happen to me? How could you let this happen in the world around us? How could you let this happen to a loved one of mine? But you see, Jesus calls to us. And he calls her out of that place and to himself. <clears throat> and when she hears that voice, that, that encouragement, her sister 
going and going to her and saying, hey, the teacher's calling. You see, we need to do that. We need to go out into a broken world and to the people that are hiding back because they're upset with God, because they're mad at God, because they're hurt by, by what they believe maybe God has done to them. We need to call them back. We need to be that, those voice. I mean, I want you to see the participation in this. It's Martha that goes and says, the teacher is calling you. That's the teacher that's going to do everything, but Martha gets to go and tell her sister, he's calling you. He's here. He wants to talk to you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And so Mary goes out, and she goes outside of the village, and she goes to that place, and Jesus is still there where Martha had met her, and a bunch of people follow her out there who are mourning with her. Um, and she falls at Jesus' feet, and she says the same thing that her sister. Because isn't this the thing that, that gets us? If you'd only been here, if you'd only been here, it would have been different. But Jesus has never been far from this whole situation, nor has this situation ever been outside of the scope of his control. If you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And it says that Jesus, he saw her weeping. And the Jews that were weeping that had come with her, and it says that he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And what that means is that, is that Jesus had this kind of this angst and this anger in a way, this righteous anger against death. Because everything that is going on around here is, is not right. It's not what's supposed to be happening. Death wasn't supposed to have come in and taken over our world. Sin wasn't supposed to have come in, but it did. And Jesus has this righteous indignation against that. And it says that he's deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And she says, Lord, come and see. And the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Verse 35. That Jesus related to her in her grief at that point. He, he entered in even though he knows what he's about to do. He knows the end game. He knows what's about to happen, but that doesn't mean that he invalidates her grief or just says what you're going through is nothing. Don't worry about it. I'm going to fix it now. No, he just enters into her grief. He relates with her. He's grieved. And some of the Jews said, see how he loved him? Wow, doesn't that prove it? Doesn't that show how much he loved him? And look at the, look at the, the contrast here. Some said, wow, look, doesn't it? He, he really did love him. And others said, well, gosh, couldn't the guy who opened the eyes of the blind and made the lame walk and stuff, couldn't he have kept him from dying? Isn't this our thing? When death comes and it invades us and, it, and when it hits us upside the head and and we're met with it in a way that we never expected and we don't understand. And, and, and the more out of context it is, the more sudden it is, the, just the, the more it hits you like a freight train. And we're just left in this place of like, couldn't you have changed that? Couldn't you have done that differently? Did it have to go this way? Couldn't, couldn't you have kept her from slipping? Couldn't you have done, couldn't you have done something different? To have stopped this? And he could. And he does. 
I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that we have no clue what God has saved us from, <laughs> right? We all had near-death experiences in here, basically, right? Times where it could have and would have went the other way. But what we've got to understand is that we're looking at this thing through just a pinhole, and God sees the whole thing. And I can't sit up here and explain it to you and tell you everything about it, but I can tell you that he's going to meet you in that spot. And, and you're going to find a, a special grace in that place when Jesus weeps with you and you experience that and you feel that and you, you're there. I can't tell you about it, but you can experience it and, 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 and maybe you will at some point. But there's a special grace that he has for, for this situation. And for some, this keeps people outside of the faith, or it causes them to discard their faith because it just didn't go the way we thought it was going to go. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it, and Jesus said, take away the stone. Again, I want to point out participation within this. Jesus is doing it all. It's all him, it's all his power, it's all his sovereignty, it's all him, but yet, Martha goes and gets Mary, says the teacher is calling you. Now he's telling somebody, telling the group there, roll that stone away. Can Jesus roll the stone away? Of course he can. But there are parts and there are things in this that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be a group of people that are taking the barrier out. Moving the barrier, opening that tomb, helping people to see the light, if you will. And it's only Jesus that can bring them out of that tomb. But we can sure roll it away, right? And Martha's sitting there and she's like, oh, wait a minute. Probably got a can of Lysol or something, you know. She's like, don't, he's going to stink. This is not okay. Don't, don't do it. And I can promise you this. We start rolling away stones, it's going to stink. It's going to stink. It's not an easy business. Helping people to find something different, helping people to walk out of that tomb into the life that Jesus has for them is, is a messy thing. It, it's not a simple thing. It, it's not a convenient thing. It's hard work, and, and, and it's inconvenient. And, and it goes on and on and on. And sometimes you see a whole lot more failures than you see successes. But this is what God calls us to do, is to roll the stone away, to take part in what he's doing, to take our place, to do the things. He's not going to do the things that we're supposed to do. He's not going to do them. He's going to allow us to take part in those things. And don't get me wrong, by not doing them doesn't mean that his will is going to be thwarted. It's not. It's just that somebody else is going to get the opportunity to see his glory and to participate in what he's doing in here in this world. Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, by now it's really going to stink. There's going to be an odor. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? This idea that you got to keep believing deeper, you got to keep trusting. You can't let the smell and the stench and the hard, you know, the hard things of it get in the way. You've got to just not worry about that. We got to roll this stone back, and we got to just believe that if we're doing that and we're there, and Jesus is present, that we're going to get to see His glory. 
So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I say this on the account of the people standing around, that they might believe that you sent me. So it was for us, right? And this, is, this thing has a purpose, and the purpose in this hard, uncomfortable situation is belief. It's faith. It's that more might come. And then it says, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. With the authority that he holds over life and death. And in a miraculous and in no other way could this have happened. An absolute miracle happens. And Lazarus comes out of the tomb. The man who had died came out. And his hands and his feet were bound with linen strips. And his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him, let him go. Again, this idea of, of what do we do? Well, we, we help people to get free. We're supposed to be going and getting people who are, who are lost and isolated and upset and whatever. We're supposed to go and tell them, hey, this, Jesus is calling you. We're supposed to roll stones away where people are dead and where, where it seems like they're in the tomb, where it's too, gone too far, it's too much, it's too over the top. No, we're supposed to roll the stone back so that his glory might be made manifest, that he might pull those out from that place of death and into life. And Jesus is doing this, and I see him doing it. I see him changing lives, moving people from a place of darkness and death into new life in Christ. Every single time that happens, it's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle every time it happens when he does this. And then they, she, Lazarus comes out and Jesus is like, hey, unbind him. Help him to get those, those bandages off. Help him to be free to move and stuff. And guess what? Those bandages, I bet they didn't smell too good. I bet they didn't. They've been around a corpse, a corpse that had been made alive. But they're supposed to go and unbind him and help him to where he can move freely. This is the idea and the concept of, of discipleship within the church, of, of, of helping others to, to move forward in the freedom that God has for us. Unbind him and let him go. See, and, and I'll just say this. If your life isn't, isn't um, bothered sometimes by things, if you're not inconvenienced, by something that sometimes somebody maybe asks you or a, or a ministry opportunity, then you just got, you got to look at that. We got to look at that. If we're never inconvenienced, if we just, our life is just kind of goes on, it's just fine and it's all good for us and, and we don't really have any troubles and really nobody ever reaches out to us for something that might be messy, maybe we should look at that. If we're a church ever where it's all just, smiley and looks all nice and clean and everybody's just smiling and saying how good everything is, how it goes, we're just doing fantastic, oh yeah, right, whatever. I know, we're not. Forever that, we got to look at that. If we're not ever sometimes in the middle of some messes here, if we're not kind of getting burned on some issue or something where somebody has taken advantage of us as a church or financially or whatever, we should look at that because maybe we're not extending ourselves enough. 
They were not willing to get out there and get into the trenches in the degree that Jesus is calling us to. It goes on and it says that many did believe because of that. But not everybody. Some of them just went and said, how can we kill him? Not just him, but poor Lazarus too. They're like, let's kill him. That's the answer. Let's get rid of him. Let's kill him. Some believed and some did not. But that's my hope that, that if you're, maybe you feel that way. Maybe you've, you, you've been back into something and, and, and you're, you feel like you're living something that's much closer to death than life. I want to tell you that this Jesus is, he's the redeemer. He's, he's the resurrection and the life. He, he's not going to just tell you about it. He is that. And you have to experience that. You have to, you know, it's not about just sitting here and understanding a lot of facts. It's about, it's about having that become a reality in your life. It's about opening your heart and your life to that. It's about giving up the idea that you can be the Lord of your own life and that you can be king of your own castle kind of a thing. It's really about a death that happens so that we can have all of some of this stuff just gone, but that he can call us back out of that tomb and into new life. And once you've done that, see, you have a new hope. You have a hope that transcends the struggles of this world. It's greater than the problems of this world. It's, it, it's the ultimate hope, the hope for the resurrection, where it's forever and ever and ever and ever good. Where it's all, the old thing is gone and a new thing comes. And everything is restored back to its original intention. And that's, that's the thing that we need because that's a... That's an even now kind of a faith. That's a, that's a, even if you didn't show up now, God, I trust and I know that one day you're making it all right. And in the midst here, in the, in the, in the tension of the now and the in-between, that you're at work and you're doing things in a way that I can't understand and I don't get, but I don't have to. Because you see, God isn't calling you and me to understand everything. He's calling us to place our faith in him and to believe and to know that he's doing something. So, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a God who, who brings new life, who, who resurrects what was dead and an impossible situation, that you bring it back into life and that you, you forge things in our character that weren't there before and you, you, you recreate us into something new. It's all about the new thing that you're doing, Lord, and so we just want to be a part of that. Just individually, Lord, we just know that you have ministry opportunities for us. You have, you have things that you're calling us to. There are people that you're calling us to just go and, and, and say, hey, Jesus, is, he's calling you. There are, there are times where you're calling us to roll a stone back or to take off some bandages to unbind someone. And Lord, we want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of that just individually and as a church. So we're asking for opportunities, Lord. Here's the challenge, folks. Ask. Ask him to put something in your life. Ask him to put somebody in your life to minister to. We want to be that every day, Lord. We want to just wake up and say, Lord, what are you up to? How can I join you in what you're doing? What kind of ministry? Will you give me ministry opportunities today to share the hope of who you are? And Lord, be, may we be just changed, not because we heard something different, but because we experienced the reality of who you are. Lord, we want to just know you more and more and more in a deeper place. We give praise and glory and honor to you, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.